Hello, everyone. Welcome to season three, first episode of Ask Life. I'm your host Helen, and I'm Ron. And we have a guest. And we have a guest. <laughs> Why are you doing that? That's such a good movie producer, right? Yeah. I want to start talking like that. Hi, Will. Hey. So we have Will with us. In each episode, we address life's most fundamental and important questions in an effort to provide fresh perspectives on our preconceived notions and understanding of reality through the teachings of the Bible. Today, we have a question that was raised by Ron. He did such a good job picking the、uh, question in our last episode that we let him pick another one. Finger snaps. <laughs> and and the question is, what are the top challenges of this journey, and how do you overcome them? So we looked back to our journey and thought about what were the most difficult things that we faced, and thought back to what allowed us to overcome those challenges. Since you brought up the topic, Ron. Why don't you kick us off? What was what was the most challenging thing when you embarked on this journey? So I think the first thing that we have to do is to read the Bible and to actually read it from the first page all the way to the last page. And for those of you who have actually done this, you know how difficult it is, especially if you pick up. Let's just say a King James version or some other version where the words are very eth and <laughs> everything that ends with yeah, th, something like that. But I, I actually started reading the New King James version, which was actually a lot easier to comprehend.、Um, it was more just like reading a like a storybook for some parts. But the difficulty lays in the message. There, there's so much that goes on in the Bible that. We could take it for a literal translation and only understand that, but there's also things that you can read that also won't make sense to you, even though it's in the English language. It still doesn't make any sense.、Um, I could give a,、uh, like a few examples of this. I can tell you, I've been reading the Bible for a long time, and sometimes I get stuck in certain sections, and I'm like, "What is he trying to tell us through this?" You know, so. Obviously, because God and us, we're in totally different world, right? He he cannot be seen. We are used to seeing things and recognizing things. He is not of this creation. He's the creator. While we're the creation, we're all we see. Our whole entire world is in this creation. A very small part of it, right? So there's a pretty big gap in understanding of what reality is. You know. The language itself is so different. The way God is, the way we exist, right? There's a huge gap between our existences, and He's trying to send us a message through this book, which seems very, very difficult to understand. So, from God's perspective, He's trying to send us a message. He's trying to use the Bible as a means to communicate with us, and because it's a language that we're not familiar with. And it's also written in parables. It's really hard for us to understand it. The very first time I was reading the Bible, I was just so lost. I couldn't even really understand what was going on. Never mind the meaning of it. So the language itself, you could read, and the words itself make sense. Like you, everybody knows how to read. So the thing is, the I couldn't understand it. Well, <laughs> I guess I don't really know how to describe it. Then it's more like if you read a word. You know what the word sounds like. You know what the word says. You could actually read it. 
Uh, just because you could read it, as uh, as Helen mentioned, doesn't mean you could really understand it. So there was this time where one of my friends was actually starting to read the Bible, and we always talk about you know our world and God's world and. All these meanings of words, you know, we only understand the words that we've grown up listening to, or we've read, or we've learned in school, or or, or heard on TV. But doesn't mean that there's other words and the meanings of it could be different. And I could give an example of that. So when my friend first started reading, she didn't really know much of what was going on. And during that time, I was actually writing in a journal. And during that time, I wrote something in the notes on my iPhone because I wanted to jot a couple of thoughts down. And in the notes, I wrote something along the lines of like the firstborn and the secondborn, and how they kind of coexist and things that happen to, towards each other. And I, I let her read it just to just to show her, and she could read the words, and the words itself just is a word, but she did not understand anything of what I was trying to say. And that goes to show that there are different things, and there's a different understanding. But without you getting there and really understanding and learning from something or somebody else about it, those will always just remain a mystery. So Jesus, in the book of Matthew's chapter thirteen, verse thirteen, said, "For this reason I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand." So this is what we were referring to earlier. There are things that we can read and understand, and I, I can't say understand. I think it's better to say we can recognize the word, but we do not understand. And that just goes to show, like, there's so much depth and understanding of another world or something else that we never grew up even knowing or even being able to understand. I think that's a great part of the Bible. That speaks to us in parable, and oftentimes, obviously, the Bible is written in parable, but we really don't know what it means. So, on the surface, it looks like it's talking about one thing, but the meaning of it is something else, right? So, it's one of those few parts of the Bible where Jesus goes on to speak of the parable, and then also explains what the parable actually means. It actually is very, very helpful to for us to understand how the Bible is written. And how it's trying to communicate to us. So it, it reminds me of high school when when the English teacher asked us to read William Shakespeare.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you first read it, none of it makes much sense because、mm-hmm. number one, it's old English from a different time, and as you read through it, he's trying to tell you a story from his perspective,、mm-hmm. and not much of it makes any sense because. It's from his perspective. It's a different time period, and in general, it's it's, it's almost a different language.、Um, you understand a lot of the words. You understand、um, some of the what he's trying to convey. But if you didn't have cliff notes, if you didn't have an English teacher, for example, to kind of walk you through it, if you read it on your own, you're you're kind of lost. The meaning is kind of lost, and you kind of formulate your own plot、um, and. And narrative in your mind. Yeah.、So. Also, also like the appreciation for the beauty of the language is lost, right? Because the only thing that like a high school student is thinking is, "Oh my God, this is so difficult. Why is this our homework? Why do we have to read this book? And why couldn't he write it in an ordinary way?" So when you're reading from the perspective of somebody who has to do the work to write an essay or whatever about it, 
then it just becomes like a difficult book to read. Whereas, or people who really appreciate literature, they love Shakespeare for his his ability to articulate the beauty of his language. Like they're just in love with it, and they just so appreciate his books. People who are sort of looking at reading the Bible as a chore. Then they're sort of taking it as, oh my god, this is just so hard. But think about those people who read William Shakespeare for the first time. I, I don't think maybe maybe some people like read it for the first time and they're like, oh, I love this. But I'm sure the people who get to fully appreciate it are those people who read many many books, including William Shakespeare's books, multiple times to truly understand and to appreciate. Same thing with the Bible. A lot of them who. See the Bible as a challenge, and by the way, I I am one of them as well. I do think that it's a very challenging book to understand. But for most people, I would say, and I would ask the listeners to be honest with themselves also, like how many people have actually read it from the beginning to the end? Be able to say, yeah, this is a challenging book to understand, or do they just read bits and pieces of sections by attending sermons on Sundays and then say, yeah, this is kind of difficult? At minimum, you have to put in the effort. To at least understand it, right? I think that at a minimum actually is to put the put in the effort to just read it. Yeah, like, don't even have to understand it. Right,、um, just understand the plot of it. Yeah, just, just what happens in exactly. it. Exactly, just know the storyline. It's it's、right. a book. There's going to be chapters like kings and numbers that you're going to read, and you're going to reread the same paragraph a <laughs> hundred times. Right, but it is what it is. You just have to get through it and. I think what Will said actually touches on a good point. Like we we were actually discussing this earlier too. Like one of the major challenges of of this this journey is there's just like so many people out there that talk about the Bible. Like how do you even choose who to follow, who to believe? Like there's just a plethora of information online. You know, people will start googling about. I actually do that too. I、like、google about Jesus and google about the Bible when people ask me questions. You feel like Cliff Notes? Yeah, yeah, like Cliff Notes. But at the end of the day, it's, it's just people's. It's like their own perception. It's kind of like what we just spoke about. Like, there's all these words that people are going to perceive into their own nature. Like, whatever they think, whatever they feel, whatever their their experience are, is going to shape how they take the words that they read from the Bible. Right. Which which is exactly how you're not supposed to read it. You're not supposed to read it as yourself, but you're supposed to read it as the words come, which sound very. Mysterious. Yeah, there's a, there's actually a very、uh, funny thing.、Um, I'll, I'll tell you about it. This actually happened to me when I was reading Book of Genesis, chapter one, verse eleven. It says, "Then God said, 'Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and a fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed in, is in itself on the earth.' And it was so." So when I actually read this, I thought. That where it says, "Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed." I thought the herb that yields seed was actually referring to grass until later on when I was in class and teacher was telling me something completely different, and it's all separate items. But it just kind of goes to show like how you and how you read things, or like whatever you learn, oh, I see, I see. used to perceive. So you get it because usually in English class they say if there's a, a comma, comma, it kind of describes the right, word right, before right, it. Right, so. Right, right. It's kind of funny. Like it took me、uh, some time to realize that, but I just wanted to share. Like this is one of the things that's easily mistaken. And think about it, the Bible is so so dense and is so so massive. It's like so massive. Like this could happen throughout anything. 
Yeah, and I think many of us are used to the notion of having a pastor or a priest or some sort of a leader take on the responsibility of reading and understanding it and then providing us with cliff notes. I know we keep saying the word cliff note. Maybe many of the listeners may not know what that is. I don't know if you know Princeton Review, for example. <laughs> so, exactly. I don't know if you guys know the concept of Princeton Review, but I remember like when I was taking SATs, I was fairly new to this country, so I was lacking in my vocabs, and and the school sponsored me to take Princeton Review classes. And it's not like you could just go to a Princeton Review class and then immediately get amazing SAT scores. You actually have to study. You actually have to partake in understanding it so you know don't think that you could just rely on on a leader rely on somebody else to do it for you obviously if this was a really fun and fruitful journey then you would do it yourself you wouldn't rely on somebody else to do it but for whatever reason i think our culture or our, our generation has evolved to a point where spirituality and understanding is somebody else's job and in my job is to just listen and go yes and that's it you know, if it comes to your life, I'm sure you would want to be the one who's responsible for it. If this is eternal life, you should even be more inclined to partake in the journey and to be responsible for your own understanding. Not saying that you should not listen to leaders, but I'm saying you should also partake in that, making sure that you are headed in the right direction and not just rely on somebody else and say, oh, I'm sure they did it right. You wouldn't give your entire life savings to an advisor and never ask questions and say, you know, okay, if that's what you want to invest in, I'll follow. Sure, go ahead. You, you wouldn't do that for your entire life savings. You would say, why did you choose that stock? Should I get into the treasuries? I mean, just this week, three banks were taken by the government and a lot of people moved their deposits, right? Nobody just says, I'm sure the banks are doing a good job of carrying my deposit, my hard earned savings. They're questioning everything and people are moving funds and they're investing in different types of mutual funds and stocks and whatnot. Why are you leaving your spirit to just question mark? Why are you leaving it to somebody else to handle? Like, why aren't you digging in as much as you're digging into your finances and your savings invested in the right stuff? I think this topic is also very hard. I think there is just so much going on and since nobody really knows i'm not saying nobody but you know when you first start like you don't know so any of the questions that you may think to ask they might not know either but if they don't know and they just come up with just answer to, to answer you you won't even know the difference either so it's like it's very difficult and you know it's not as easy as just to pry and stuff like that but I think it just has, you just have to keep going at it. I think that you have to keep wondering and asking questions. I know Helen was saying this when she was younger, you know, she went to a lot of different churches and just felt that it was like very weird. Like it was very odd. Like there was something off about what everybody was trying to teach. Recognizing that it's a challenging thing, right? Understanding something that you can't see, understanding something that you don't know exactly where it's coming from and using completely different language, understanding that it's difficult. But recognizing that it's important enough that you should invest the time to understand it. With your understanding, with your leader's understanding, with your peers' understanding together, hopefully you, you get there. But definitely don't leave it to somebody else to do. Do it together. 
be responsible for your own spirituality. Yeah, and you know what what Helen was just saying about doing things together, I think that really helps.、Um, you know, reading the Bible by yourself is also not the most Uh, I guess beneficial and most motivating way. You know,、uh, there's there's a lot of things that goes on in this world that could just break your break your focus. It's very very easy for you to get sucked back into this world and to always stay focused on this journey. It, it does take a tight group of people that are also focused on this to help guide. They, you know, everybody wants to fit in somewhere, right? Like every everybody's like that, and the people that you surround yourself with. Is pretty much going to help dictate, not really dictate, but it's going to help move you in either the right or the wrong direction. And you know, this is one of the things that happened when Will started doing this whole journey. When he first started, after a few months, I, you know, we we talked about him moving in with me, and it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the easiest, and it wasn't the like my number one choice, but I, it does make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense to keep people all together. Like we congregate, we talk constantly, and we're all like-minded. And the thing is, we learn a lot from one another. Whether to keep us focused or keep us in check for our, for bad thoughts or keep us,、um, you know, honest. You know, there's a lot of positives that come with us all being together. Yeah, I mean that that actually leads to the second challenge we had talked about earlier、uh, amongst us, which was. It's very challenging to keep God's words in your heart and in your mind all the time, because you know obviously all of us just keep ourselves constantly busy and occupied. Now with phones and things, we almost have no free time to ourselves. We usually don't have time to think about things other than our work or maybe school or just everyday mundane things that we occupy ourselves with. How do we in in this crazy? Busy daily lives. How do we keep God's words close to our hearts, and how do we keep His message within us? The three of us here are fortunate enough to be so close to each other, and our family and our close friends are also keeping with God's message. Many of us are people who earnestly want to live according to God's plans for us and His ways. So it's easier. As we remind ourselves of our purpose here, remind our, we, we talk to each other and converse about what we learned during Bible study, what we read about. I often text my friends here Bible verses that I read that I want to share with them. So it's easier for us to keep it within us. But frankly, when I'm at work and I'm just Slammed with work, and there's nonstop calls coming in, deals falling apart, deals getting done. Like it is very, very challenging for me to hold God's words in my heart. It, it's definitely something that I still struggle with. It's become a lot easier over time. I know that in the beginning, it was something like super manual. I had to remind myself as I was walking from Port Authority to my work, my office. I would. I would walk that twenty-minute walk or fifteen-minute walk, and I would remind myself, "Look, this is what I learned." And in, in the bus, I would bring my my Bible with me, and I would read the Bible in the on the bus and get carsick very frequently. <laughs> and、uh, and then nowadays, like I would record our Bible study and our conversations, and I would replay it as I'm walking down the street. So instead of like just occupying myself with my iPhone doing this and that, I would try to listen to it so that. You know, when I do have that free moment 
Although I, I hate the feeling of like giving God the leftover time, but every day is very challenging. Like modern day lives are very, very challenging. The world doesn't allow us the time to think, but we try to make time and we try to make sure that, you know, there are manual things that we do. For example, like I tell myself to read the Bible for X chapters a day. I'll tell myself to write the diary every night so that we can look back to the day and think about what I lost, what I gained, what I learned, what I might have missed. So there are sort of manual mechanisms to allow me to keep God close to my heart. But that's something that is definitely difficult. And, and it is really, really important as you're embarking on this journey that connection with God and the questions you have and, and the message that you keep close to you, there's this continuity in that. Again, in today's modern day society, it's become sort of a habit, right? People go to church on Sundays, they sit there for an hour, they come back and they go back to work, right? And they go back to themselves or their ordinary selves. And for that hour a week, you feel like, oh, I, I, I checked the box. I, I did what I was supposed to do. And somehow that keeps you in check. But Honestly, living according to God's plans and, and understanding God and keeping Him close to your heart is something that should be part of you. It's not something that you should be doing once a week. That continuity allows you to build that understanding, build the heart. If you don't have that continuity, if you, even if you get closer, that sort of dissipates over time. And this is why we try to meet with each other as often as we can. And we try to do Bible study throughout the week so that we keep that heart with us all the time. And it doesn't sort of disappear. When we're not physically together and we're not really thinking, holding the thoughts in our heart, it's very, very possible for you to just live your life and totally disconnect it from God's message and His words. To kind of expand on a couple of Helen's points, you know, I kind of think of it as more of a lifestyle. You know, it becomes, in the beginning, it's, it's very manual. To give you an example, I like to think of it as trying to lose weight. The main reason many people fail losing weight is because it doesn't become a lifestyle. It's more of a short-time activity that they do, either with friends or, or part of a New Year's resolution. But if it becomes your lifestyle, you eventually start to think about many different ways to lose weight. Uh, you start to develop a routine. You start to hang out with like-minded people in a, in a gym class or align yourself with people of similar goals. To achieve the goal of losing weight, it's step by step. It, it comes slowly and, and each action you take, it, it kind of builds upon that. So, you know, if you're just starting out, you might start to cut some foods out of your diet. But as you go on, you know, you start to cut more foods out of your diet. And as you keep going on, you start taking gym classes, you start to work out, you start to buy all the gear, you start to buy all the clothes associated with it. So it eventually evolves into lifestyle choice. I feel that's, that's similar to what the Bible is. It starts off small, a small part of your life. And as you start to learn more, as you start to get more involved, it starts to build and it starts to become a lifestyle. And it becomes a little bit a little bit more automatic. Yeah, I like that analogy because let's say if you were just eating healthy one meal on Sunday, right? And then you were just being yourself like every other time, you wouldn't be able to achieve your goal of losing weight. It has to be constant. 
And that's what I meant. The effect of change in lifestyle has to be constant for it to accumulate to a result, right? Same thing with this journey as well. You can't go to church one hour a week thinking that you're somehow effectively reaching God and accumulating your goodness with God somehow. It doesn't work. It has to be enough and has to be continuous for it to be effective. Same, same as diet. I think the other thing that also people do in the beginning, and we, Will and I use the terminology manual, because sometimes it's not automatic. We're just used to doing things our way, and then and you manually hold God's words with you. And oftentimes, you know, that is also linked to rituals. People, I know that in many quote-unquote religious people or pe- people who are spiritual, try to keep rituals so that they hold God and they, they hold God's words close to them. But oftentimes people who keep rituals, they keep with the rituals, but they lack the heart many times. So what happens over time is they're doing the rituals and they're not skipping them, but it sort of becomes the action, but without the heart. So many people who are most ritualistic, and there are many religions that are very ritual focused, and they could be checking every single rituals and doing the right actions, but they could be the biggest scumbags in the world. They could be scammers, it could be cheaters and liars. If you do the rituals, right, every day, but you lack the heart and understanding and trying to align your life with what God's message is, if you're missing that heart, then you're just busy doing the rituals without, without really changing yourself. Right? So you're doing the rituals as yourself and never really evolving. It's very important that ritual becomes not a ritual anymore, but a part of you, that you're doing it out of your heart, not just going through the motion. So there has to be an evolution and a change in the person, not only through rituals, but also just change in the system, change in behavior, change in thoughts, change in way of thinking. And this also brings us to the next challenge, which is something that Will brought up while we're preparing for this episode, which is one of the challenges in this journey is that God often um, guides you against your nature. It forces you to go against your thoughts, against your preferences, your desires, and your way of thinking. And because it's against you, it's very difficult. The Bible always talks about denying yourself. I've been talking a lot about the New Testament. I've been reading the New Testament lately, and that's kind of where I am on my daily readings. So I've been reading the New Testament a lot lately, and in the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 36, it says, And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. So this is what Jesus is saying pretty much right before his crucifixion. It basically shows that, you know, Jesus had a choice. He definitely had a choice. He could have just not gone and done what he had to do. He could have just ran away or just disappeared and none of this would have happened. But this was God's plan. This is what he had to do. And it kind of goes to show that he basically didn't want to do it, but he knew that this was the righteous path. And from there, he said, God, 
call them father. Like, if it's okay, I would rather not go through with it. But it's not because of what I want. It's because of what you will. And we were talking about how we need to deny ourselves. And we we're talking about how hard it is for us to go against our desires. And this is like an extreme case. Like, who wants to die? Who wants to go through what you know is about to happen? People who want to torture you, like hurt you. Like, who wants to go through that? But... Jesus went through with it, knowing all these things, and you know, I feel like this is a great example of you know what you know, what we were we're talking about. Certainly, it doesn't seem like an easy task for any human beings. I mean, the last thing that they want to do is to die, right? It kind of seems like sometimes that God is pushing us to deny us, and that this causes pain, or it causes sadness, or. It suppresses our desires, and it seems like it's very unpleasant. <laughs> Why does God want us to do that? And in the beginning, it, it's very hard for us to understand. What becomes apparent is once we understand why, and once we understand what we're giving up, once we have a full understanding of what that is, what the truth is, it doesn't become. A chore it doesn't become a task. It becomes. It doesn't become a responsibility, but it just becomes so much easier once you really understand it. I know it's it's a sort of a hard thing to grasp. Imagine you're you're playing with fire as a as a child, and I was a pyro when I was a child. So this is something that maybe some of the pyros out there couldn't relate to. But it was very very hard for me to not play with fire every day. Every time my parents went out of the house. I immediately look for fire, and I almost burned my house down. I burned my parents' room one time. I put my curtain was on fire. Like we had a lot of issues, and my parents, especially my dad, who was very afraid of me burning down the entire house, threw me out of the house multiple times when I was a child because I was a pyro. So as a punishment, my dad used to throw me out of the house naked, buck naked, and he made me leave the house. And never returned. It was winter time. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't winter time, thankfully. But he was like, "I want you to leave with nothing, just as yourself." And he wanted me to just leave. And I was like, "You want me to leave?" He's like, "Yeah, I want you to leave." And then my poor sister Wendy, she had to leave with me, also buck naked. So she was a child. She was like three years old, and I was like, <laughs> I was like seven years old, and and we had to leave the house. He's like, "Don't ever come back, because you're gonna burn this house down." And I was thinking like. My dad is the worst dad in the world. I can't believe he's throwing like he's throwing us out, and we're just children. And all I did was play with matches. That's what I was thinking. How mean is my dad? If he didn't take that kind of action, knowing how strong-willed I am and how strong-minded I am, can you imagine me giving up my best toy, fire? Like it's not. It was not going to happen. Even after he threw me out of the house, I still played with it for many years. So sometimes. God pushes us, and then sometimes He punishes us, and we don't like it. But it's like, oh, why? Why can't God just be gracious and be merciful and just love us? Well, that's love. Sometimes forgiving is not always love. There should be punishment, and punishment sometimes is just as love as forgiveness. But at that time, I just didn't understand why they made me stop playing with fire. I don't understand. This is so much fun. This is like my heart's desires. This is like my calling. Fire is my calling. Like I really wanted to play with it every single day. And 
I don't have to go into details about it, but like I, I used to collect matches. <laughs> that was like my thing. Every, every single day I would be like looking for matches everywhere. But obviously I grew up and it wasn't like, oh, but I want to play with fire. I don't struggle to give up fire, right? I don't struggle right now. I'm like, but I want to burn my house down. I don't think that way anymore because I understand what fire is and I, I grew out of it. It was something that was really fun and important so important to me every single day at that time between ages of five and nine but I just grew out of it it was not that important it was kind of stupid I'm like oh my god why was I playing with that that was so dangerous I could have easily died I am relieved that I'm not playing with it anymore so once I understood and, and then I was able to see myself right I was able to see myself when I was that young when like wow that was stupid but up until that happens it's very hard so God wants us to come to a point of understanding, to a realization of what he's trying to show us, where we're embracing, what we're having a hard time letting go, what we're holding on to, our pride, our desires, and our preferences, and our ways of thinking, all these things that we're really holding on to. He's just showing us they're not what you think they are. They're not bringing you the happiness you think that you'll achieve. That's not what's going to give you joy and gladness. That's what he's trying to show us. But from our perspective, because he's trying to take away our toys, God, why are you pushing me into a direction where, where I know I won't be happy? But again, we have to be patient enough to see what he's trying to show us. Because if our first reaction is, that's not what I want. That's not what I want to hear. That's not my style. If you're already pushing forward your agenda, then God has no opportunity to, to show you what he's trying to show you. That's something that, that we have to be mindful of. Not everything he says, not everything he does, not everything that he asks of us is going to be exactly what I want. Often that night, it's not what I want. It's the opposite of what I want. But let him take you there. Let him take you there. Give him the opportunity to show you so that you have something to compare to. And just to bring it full, full circle, uh, Ron mentioned that uh, he asked me to move in um, after a couple months of, of reading the Bible and beginning this journey. At, at first, I was very hesitant because when you start to live with somebody, you start to know them intimately. And they start to know you intimately, and <laughs> but but you guys used to hang out together though for a long time. Right, but this as is a background, intimate. they used to hang out together. Intimate is a little bit <laughs> excessive. <laughs> no, but I I think I think I know what Will means. But so so just so that people have some he background. He's on his boxer, so it's not far off. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we talking about this? <laughs> so, so Will. Will and Ron used to be friends in college, and they used to party a lot together. That's that was sort of the background before. So, so it's for those of, for for the listeners who heard this story for the first time. I I think they should know a little bit of that history. So they were friends long before. Obviously, Ron was nowhere near the Bible at that time. He was closer to shall we say recreational drugs <laughs> <laughs> than the Bible and. Although Will didn't really 
Oh well, but we'll well you didn't you didn't indulge, but you were hanging out in the same I had circle. A different drug of the choice. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you were hanging in the same circle. Yeah. So they were friends for a long time, and then Ron went through this change, and he still kept in touch with Will, and I think Will also witnessed. Ron's transformation during this short period of time, and then they got to talking because Will was like, "What's going on with you? How did you change? Where did the old Hoover go?" <laughs> Whoa, it's a Dyson, not a Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> Where did the um, old Dyson person go? Who are you? What happened to you? And I think Will was kind of curious. I I wanted to provide that a little bit of backdrop because I think it sounds really random because it sounds like Ron just asked you to move in. <laughs> Yeah, we were, we were friends、uh, long before this, and you know, initially when he asked me to move in, I knew it was un- it wasn't to go party together. Definitely not, because Ron had already changed by the time you were right. You guys were already talking about the Bible and things like right, that. Right, right, yeah, right. I was months into it, and、yeah. I knew the purpose for, was for him to be more of a guide. Yeah, more、right. of a. By the way, I was、teacher. really really shocked when.、Uh, When Ron called me and told me that he talked to you about the Bible for more than an hour, I was like, "Wait, wait! The same guy that we met at that hotel when the guy who was buying all those girls drinks? He's like, 'Yeah, it's the same one.'" And I was like, "Will, Will, the same Will?" He's like, "Yup." I, I was so shocked. I was pleasantly surprised, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't know that he had depth." <laughs> surprise, surprise. That was my re- that was my reaction. <laughs> Sorry. That's true. It went against my my nature because who wants to be corrected? I knew he was there to correct my tendencies, and judging by the outcome of my of some choices, I knew my choices weren't the best. Yeah. So when he first approached me about moving in together, I was initially taken back. Number one being, yeah, you know, I'm thirty something years old. I really don't want a roommate at this point.、Um, I already had my own place. I have a certain lifestyle I maintain. I had a certain, you know, cadence. Yeah, I heard certain certain activities I like to do. But you knew that if you start living with him, that he was gonna see what you do. You have to be, as you talked about before, intimate. You know where your weaknesses are, and you know that he's gonna be witnessing. It's not like going to church once a week, showing your best self, doing your hair, wearing your best clothes. And then thinking that oh this is me he's gonna literally see you in your boxer shorts too yeah, <laughs> and he's gonna see all your bad habits and that everything's gonna come out yeah it's like the model who you know comes out to take a couple pictures goes、right. back home but you know in reality she she doesn't look the same yeah so you know I didn't want to be exposed and to call out my own weaknesses because if I did call out my own weaknesses that's essentially admitting to myself that hey. Maybe I'm not so great of a person.、Mm-hmm. Maybe I do need to improve. Right. And you know, who who wants to be criticized? Like, right.、That? At first, it takes a certain level of will and and mastery to get past those things, to learn about yourself in that way. Right. As you progress forward, as you start to learn more, as you swallow swallow the red pill, right? You right. you start to build a little faith in it. Becomes a little bit stronger. Your your will eventually becomes faith. As you go through this journey, you'll realize many people embark on on this journey to gain more from God, to gain what they want, to fulfill their desires. And when you walk this path, you realize God's intent is the opposite of that. 
is for you to shed your preferences, for you to drop your desires. It's not so much that he's trying to say like, don't like those things. It's just that he's redirecting your desires to something greater, something worthier, something higher. Instead of pushing to gain more of what you want, you realize you're just shedding yourself. You're losing your nature and you're trying to be filled with God's properties and shed your properties. That's what happens in this journey. For those of us who seek to find what God's trying to give us, that's what they'll find. It's not pushing your agenda. It's not building more and more of what you want. It's really losing yourself, humbling yourself, and becoming an empty vessel that God can fill. We would love to hear more about what your challenges are uh, in this journey. Please email us and share with us uh, what type of challenges you faced recently in this effort. Please feel free to email us at podcastasklife at gmail.com. At the end of our podcast, we'll share these questions and commentaries with all of our listeners. For now, keep your mind and hearts open and always ask life.